let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. We're really excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm Emily Jordan, and I'm here as always with my co-host and husband, Andrew. Hey everybody, we are super excited. This is going to be kind of a a unique and a fun episode. Uh, We have today with us Ari Coleman, right? Is that your last name? Okay. I, I, I looked that up before and then I realized we don't have it written down in front of me. So I'm glad I have my memory at least serves me well there. So, so for, I mean, a while ago we reached out for some inspiration and ideas from our listeners over Instagram and asked if any of you would like to be guests on the podcast, because we feel like it's really valuable to have not just expert opinions and advice, but to have real life people um, just like you. And so it's been really fun to interview a lot of our fellow listeners um, for the show. Um, so Ari volunteered his, um, not expertise, maybe expertise, but um, your opinions and your spiritual thoughts about a certain topic that we're really excited to talk about. Yeah. So today we, well, what, first off, why don't we let you introduce yourself a little bit? Okay, absolutely. Um, Ari, live in, my name is Ari. Uh, my wife's name is Heidi. We live in South Jordan, Utah. Um, so right here in the uh, in the factory is what they used to call it on the mission. <laughs> uh, served a mission in Guadalajara, Mexico um, about 10 years ago. Just graduated from BYU-Idaho with my bachelor's three years ago and now studying master's out in um, um, Annapolis, Maryland at a college named St. John's. Um, yeah, excited to be here with you guys and excited for this opportunity. So it'll be fun. Awesome. And you're studying classic literature, right? Literature. Mm-hmm. And what, what, who's your favorite author or give me a favorite genre, or I know it's super hard to narrow it down, but narrow it down as much as you can for me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I do like Dostoevsky. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah? So they're, they're fun. Um, right now, I think um, this is a you weird one, be, Machiavelli. Kind of Machiavelli. I, yeah. I do enjoy Machiavelli as well. The, the, the Prince was fun. And then I really, I, I liked... Um, uh, Plato. So we read Plato's Republic this past semester, and I mm-hmm. really had struggled with that one a lot. It's just a hard book, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed the struggle. So that one's more like I, I don't know, Glutton for Punishment liked it rather than like, <laughs> ooh, this was a you know Harry Potter fun read. Yeah. Well, and, and when you read those kind of classics, so I studied political science, so I did. I read a ton of of the like the classics for philosophy or political philosophy. Uh, and when you read those books, you kind of just feel smarter just by finishing them. You're like, Oh, I am like entered the new realm of, uh, <laughs> of knowledge. Just by finishing I made it through Hobbes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I made it. If you make it through Hobbes, you are a champion. Right? You, they <laughs> so, just give you a degree just getting through Hobbes. You I read don't Hobbes. even know what you're talking about. You read Hobbes. Leviathan. Is it a book? Yeah. The Leviathan. Remember? I don't He's the second half. He's the second half of Calvin. You know, Calvin and Hobbes, it's the, he's yeah. the title. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> well, I don't know Hobbes, what you're talking about. No, no, no. So Hobbes was the Leviathan. He had the, um, he's the, one of the first political theorists. Like, I re- like, like his, yeah, I mean, his name is familiar, but I don't remember really anything that he wrote. 
That's because he wrote like a maniac. Okay. Well, yeah. And yeah. His big okay. idea was that, you know, life is nasty, brutish, and short. And so if you've heard that before, then that comes from Hobbes. Yeah. And okay. so because it's so nasty, you need like a strong state. Exactly. Right. And he's like, he's about like nature, like the, the state of nature was mm-hmm. like savage. And not like, not like the good savage, like Rousseau, like bad savage. Like it's so awful. We need a big state okay. to, to keep back the savageness, savagery. Yeah. Anyway, wow. okay. we'll, we'll have to ch- we'll have to chat more after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And Dostoevsky, <laughs> is my personal favorite author. I love everything he's done. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I, I I took a whole class just on Dostoevsky, so I read a ton of his books. Definitely, no, he's he's good. And you're expecting your first baby this fall. That's yeah, really exciting. Um, in. Uh, uh, Thanksgiving Day actually is the due date. So if oh, yeah? she's obedient, then <laughs> we'll have a little turkey. <laughs> That's so funny. Or do you on Black Friday. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah so we, we might have babies on the same day. There you go. Yeah, we, we are on our third boy, though. Our daughter was devastated when, yeah. we, when we found out. <laughs> she told tie. us that we were yeah. going to go back to the hospital the next day and it would be a girl. Oh, no. So you're like, oh, it's a boy. And then she's like, well, tomorrow it'll be a girl. We'll go back to him. Like, no. <laughs> it doesn't work no way, right? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Although okay. my brother was a girl until he was born. And then, you know, so that was a surprise. So, oh. But that was also, you know, ancient history. That's like, you know, almost 30 years ago at this point. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So. I've heard of it still happening today. So. Yeah, I mean, it still does happen. Not as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. No. So maybe she could get a wish, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um. I was really interested by your topic that you sent in about self-centered worship. So before we dive into that, I want to like kind of lay the groundwork by talking about what exactly worship is. Cause I think this is such an interesting word and interesting concept. And people of different faiths kind of see this word differently. So when you're talking about self-centered worship, what do you, what do you define worship as? Okay. So I, there, there's kind of like the performative section and then there's the theological section. There's also a thunderstorm going on right now. So if you hear some crazy oh, stuff, that's it's... right. <laughs> we're, used to we're, we're in South Louisiana. We live in thunderstorms uh-huh. all the time. Yeah. So there's the performative aspect of worship, I think, which is kind of like, you know, you go to church on Sunday, you read your scriptures or the Holy text, whatever those might be. Um, you know, you perform certain actions like, you know, for us, it's like, you know, sacraments, um, you know, the communion and, and different things. So those are what, what, what I, I would see as like performative actions that bring you closer to God. Temple worship is a great way to think about it because that is exactly what we're doing. We're performing mm-hmm. actions um, in order to draw near to God. And then there's the theological aspect of worship is in how you, um, how you think and how you structure your beliefs such that God can influence you as well. Um, and so that's how I kind of think about worship is like, there's that performative aspect and then there's the theological. One other thing I want to say as far as theological goes is I take the word literally, which is the logos or the reason of God. It's not right. trying to prove God. It's trying to find out his reason, you know, his, his thought, his mind, mm-hmm. you know, in that way. <clears throat> That's awesome. That was a much more precise answer than I was expecting. I thought we were going to go back and forth on that one, but that's, I think I was laid out beautifully. Devin, Yeah, yeah, no, that was great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, what do you you think of the word worship? What do you think of? Well, I probably would have thought of it more of like the first definition that you gave of like the things that we're doing. So, like taking the sacrament or, um, like prayer. I feel like like prayer, like the actions that you're doing. 
Um, and then like the churchy things, you're going to church, you're going to the temple, you're, you're getting baptized, you're repenting, like all the action things. But I really like that side of the theological side that you were talking about. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see where this yeah. is going to go. One, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about my approach to worship. When I've thought about this idea of worship, uh, I, I was kind of juxtaposing our commandments, the, the Lord's commandment to worship the father and the um, commandments not worship idols and what that actually means and what that looks like because we've been told that we can worship it's easy to start worshiping idols in our in our modern day even though we're not you know bowing down to some you know some sculpture that somebody made that's representing some god from the middle east but uh the way i've thought about it is worshiping as most I don't know, like most basic essence is the decision to mold your life around a certain set of values. And the certain set of values embodied by God are the commandments and the gospel. And and then if you you if you worship money, it's not that you're bowing down and praying to money, but you are uh, you you're are putting it above you're molding your life based off the principles yeah. of money. Yeah. Or the chasing of money or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Well, let's, let's take, come follow me for a second, you know, cause we're mm-hmm. studying doctrine and covenants and that's a great place to start. Um, and we're all familiar with section four, especially if you've gone on a mission, uh, cause God needs, God needs servants, right? I mean, if you've read a little bit of CS Lewis and other things, like he's trying to create, um, at least in my view, he's trying to create beings that want to serve him, not that right. are subjugated, correct? Which is why we have agency and a couple other things. Um, but we're supposed to serve God with what? We have four kind of sections, serve God with all our heart, might, might mind, mind, and strength. And strength. Yeah. And to me, that worship has to entail all of those things. Your heart uh-huh. must be in it. You know, your, your desire must be there. Um, your might must be there. That would be the performative or the action sort of thing. Um and then your mind, that would be, like I said, kind of the theological aspect of it. And strength would be, again, um, just that you do endure and, and you keep, you know, you, you do keep going with those things and that you keep building that strength. It's not just that you run it out. <laughs> it's kind of like going to the gym. And, and this one, I think it is apt, you know, is where like you go to the gym and yes, you do get tired, but it's with the, it's to become stronger. And a lot uh-huh. of people say, okay, you know, let's run until we fall. <laughs> and that's what we th- kind of think of strength, especially, you know, colloquially within the church, we think that strength is like, I'm going to work and work and work until I cannot work anymore. But that's not been God's point because God is to build. So when I think about this aspect of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I think about the development or how do I say this? I think about my experience as a high school football player. One thing I really loved about my football experience is that I didn't have to worry about when I was pushing myself too much because my football coach said, Hey, I'm trained to know like when you are exceeding or when you're at like the limit of your strength or when you're too dehydrated or all that kind of stuff. Like I'm here, I'm going to pay attention. Uh, so you just push yourself as hard as you can and I'll pull you back when you need to be pulled back. And I really like being intense. And so for me, it was great because I could just push and push and push and push. I didn't have to, I didn't have to like regulate myself. But then I went on my mission and there's no one to regulate me, right? It was just like, <laughs> and it's so easy to burn out in that situation where you're constantly serving the Lord on a daily basis and it's freezing cold. And, <laughs> uh, and, 
I was burning up. <laughs> I would have yeah, I mean, it's probably opposite <laughs> for you. <laughs> but the extremes of weather were there. So yes, yes, they uh, were. And having having to mature in my relationship with the savior where I had to start saying, okay, I need to start regulating myself and understand when I am kind of at my, the end of my strength and start looking at this as a going an effort or an exercise and going to the gym, as opposed to just running until I die. If I could pose a question to you guys, I don't know. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. So we, I think we've hashed out worship and I think we're in agreement and I don't think that it's a bad definition. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I guess for the purposes of our conversation, let's just stick with, you know, the performative and kind of like lump everything within the performative. And then, you know, let's, let's take the theological for just a second. Um, If we're talking about a self-centered worship, what is your guys' definition of the self? No, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Other than just like my own person, my own spirit, my own mind. I kind of, when I think of self, I think of, like the natural man. But. I don't even think of necessarily the natural man. Uh, I, I think it's just when I think of self-centered worship, I don't know. I think there's so many different angles you could take from this. Um, but if we're looking at it as a, as a stepping stone in, in growth and like the spiritual growth plan or like along the covenant path, I would say like self or saying self-centered worship well, right said the definition of self just, oh, the self, self. just, just so leading towards self-centered worship i would just like to know what was definition, definition of, of self yeah what, what what do you yeah what do you define self as i would say self uh is the combination of my personal standards values uh goals and experiences well that's like so well thought out I'm just like, I don't know, myself, <laughs> myself, myself, so it's myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this, this is like a, a really, I mean, it, it on the surface can seem like a really silly question, but it's actually a really, it's a lot deeper than it's I thought. It's a, <laughs> a lot more important. I mean, it's a very important question because, mm-hmm. and it's, and I think it's not just, I, I said those things, like the, the sum of, of all like my values and, and my goals, but it, it's not just the, some of like my experience in the culture because like you get a lot of those things from the culture around you but you also have like an eternal self mm-hmm. that's kind of independent of our the situation we're in now yeah so there yeah. we go okay so just on that one like is your eternal self different from your cultural self then i think that it is i i think that your cultural self is important and this is actually something i've been exploring recently is like how much of who we are now uh how much of that is like tied to our eternal identity uh and how how much should we strive to like shed the culture around us and i think this is my personal opinion. This is not doctrine. This is not even <laughs> scriptural. This is just like if I had a tie, throwing the tie over the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. For those people who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, there's like a funny tradition. It's like a joking tradition that, like, if you start talking about something that's not doctrinal, you take your tie and you like flip it over your shoulder and say, I am not a representative of the church. This is just me. I think that. And it's like a girl version of that. 
there. Yeah, no, no, it would be. Uh, <laughs> you like flip your hair back or something? Um, I don't know. Yeah, you know, there's Marilyn Monroe, your skirt, but I don't think that would be. Yeah, yeah no, that's not, exactly, that's not really no. a good church thing. I think <laughs> that the closer we come to Christ, the more of our, um, the more of our, the aspects of ourselves that are not based in Christ, or at least in harmony with the gospel of Jesus Christ, will be shed. Uh, and so, I think that there are large portions of our cultural selves, or like the selves that are created uh, based off of our communal identity, that are in conflict with the gospel of Jesus Christ and with the culture of Christ, and those will be shed uh, as we get closer to Christ. And I think that that person, the per- the the ourselves close to Christ is actually more closely identifiable to our eternal selves. Because I, again, my personal opinion, I think those of us that chose to come to this earth in the pre-mortal world that were devoted to Christ and were really committed to him in the pre-mortal world were very good and were generally very pure. And then we had to come down and take a body and take like take community identity and those things are good and that process was good but it didn't mean that we picked up a lot of debris along the way and the process of coming closer to christ is removing that that debris and getting and bringing our the, the physical aspect of ourself more in line with our eternal spiritual self no cool there we go yeah, I like that. Anything else to add on that one? No, I feel like we're full of definitions today. Um, so I'm going to toss one back at you. But um, <laughs> Go for it. So then what is self-centered worship? Well, let's because... get your, your definition of self first. So okay. Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. And the, the definition and full of definitions might be like just my fault because I love definitions. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, that's um, fine. It's just fine. Yeah. And part part of it's part of it's just comes from like I'll explain the definition thing because it's pertinent. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it just comes from you know like um, we read in John one one you know that you know the word was with God and the word was God and so I think mm-hmm. the words have a certain significance and then the first recorded act of God is to speak you know and God said let there be light. Have we ever thought about what would happen if God did and there wasn't? That'd be a little embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like oops. Um, <laughs> and so I think that the words that he uses are significant, which is also why we're so ardent on the fact that, you know, for example, like the Bible must be translated correctly and a couple other mm-hmm. things, you know, the, the word is important. Right. Um, that being said, I actually don't, you, you might not pin me down on a self because I don't really like the idea of a self um, for, for a couple reasons. Um, especially within our culture, um, the self has become, I, Andrew, I liked what you talked about with um, the, you know, like kind of the eternal self versus the cultural self, I guess. And I guess that is my problem with it is that we've started to divide, uh, divide our essence or divide our spirit or our soul, I'll call it our soul, um, Mm -hmm. into different segments. And I think that that is um, kind of damaging in a lot of ways. Um, And so, and and we can, we we can get into that. Um, But the idea being that, um, that which we focus onto humanity or onto our, you know, onto ourselves, onto, onto, onto Ari Coleman as a person, mm-hmm. um, detracts from 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ or of Emily or of Andrew Jordan. It's the gospel of Christ. And right. the more that we can find Christ in his gospel, the closer we'll be able to come to him and the better that our dross will be, you know, refined, you know, our gold to refine and our, and our dross to consume um, sort of, sort of idea. Yeah. I really, I, I, I completely uh, get and sympathize with like your hesitancy because I, I feel the, like the same weird push to like have so much focus on the self that we end up looking at all things and all ideas in, um, not in relation, but kind of like in, not in view of man like through the lens. Of? It's not even just through the lens, but like, there's a really good word that I'm trying to think of. <laughs> um, so just going back to like Einstein, like everything is relative, right? Like, and so you have to pick your point of, of observation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so th- that has to happen. And I think when there's a, uh, an overemphasis on the permanent nature of yourself as you can perceive it currently, um, what we're doing is we're saying, Hey, this, this self that you can identify with now and that you can, you can, you relate with or you use to 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 describe yourself that is your objective frame of reference like that's where you have to use that as your frame of reference and then you view everything else from there as opposed to looking for another more firm point of reference namely the gospel and then viewing everything else from that point i like this idea hmm <laughs> well, and if we can push it just a little bit further, um, the, the, the idea that I pitched to you guys was dealing with prayer specifically, and that's a good place to start, I think, yeah, to so elucidate it, because it does, get, it does get very webby and tingly for a second, and I think this will help. Um, the idea being that, like, most of us speak English, I'm assuming, and some of us speak other languages, and I'm going to speak from the, you know, standpoint of Spanish, because that's what I speak, and so mm-hmm. I don't know much about Russian. <laughs> um, I've read Dostoevsky, but I don't even... I haven't even tried a translation. Um, but so when we pray and, and I, and let's also just not pick any of our prayers, but let's just pick somebody who goes up on Sunday and they walk up there and they're, you know, praying for the congregation and in front of them. And we always know that there's a formula, you know, you dress heavenly father then we give thanks and we give so much thanks and we are so thankful and we are so grateful, you know, there's a problem there <laughs> that I find. And then we ask for things and we ask him specifically, and then we close in the name of Christ. Right. <clears throat> the problem I see is that we are so grateful. Um, in Spanish, there's something called a reflexive. So uh, the, the word, you know, to be grateful for is, is, um, or, or to, to give thanks is, is um, dar gracias, but you have to do it to somebody. It has to be in reference to somebody. Whereas in English, I can reference myself. I can be so thankful that it's amazing, but I can't be thankful to Emily. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be, I, I have to choose to be like almost consciously choose to be thankful to Emily. Like say, Emily, you know, mm-hmm. thank you for this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Andrew like, you know, thank you for your thoughts. That was awesome. Or just, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that that was said, uh, you know, you can, you can switch it. And just the, the, the mind shift is significant. I think, because if we can actively um, recognize God <laughs> as the giver, um, rather than put the focus on our gratitude. There's a big difference between 
I am so thankful and I give thanks to thee. Mm-hmm. It, 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 places, it places you, like it says in the Bible dictionary, you know, where, you know, the prayer is where the will of the father and the will of the child are brought into connection. Um, rather than having just the will of the child kind of sent out into the nether, <laughs> you have right. the recognition of there is an active party here. We were really good at asking things of him and including him there, but we're kind of poor. We, we receive poor marks, I think, and I have personally, which is why I just kind of think of it this way, especially when I'm praying like in front of a lot of people um, of saying, you, you know, know we, like, we, to our them. listeners, we, we pray before each episode and I'm like, did what, how did I pray? I can't even remember if I said we are thankful or we thank thee or if we're thankful for it. I don't remember. <laughs> but I can definitely see that in myself and in my own prayers as you're, as you're talking, I'm like, Oh yeah. 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 I see that. Yeah. And in Russian, it's, it's kind of a neat, like the same way in English. Like you can do both you can ways. Do either way. But you're right in Spanish. I, so I, I, I also speak Spanish. And so I can, with Spanish, it's, it's I only mean, that way. At it's least only I right. only ever say, um, you have to like like yeah. with, with latin-based languages that's the cool thing about romance languages i think is it is and and, and there's a different feeling especially and, and i don't know if you'd agree but i find that a lot of people who speak that way and especially those who pray like they're a lot more humble in relation to with their relationship to god like it's a very much more like um there's a little bit more of a reckon like a recognition there um and i feel like that comes from the, again just the, rec- the almost the forced recognition but the just that that is built into the way they speak because right. if we take god speaking and creating if what we are speaking is what we are creating the best way to create a relationship with god is to include <laughs> is to mm-hmm. like active and and that's one opportunity <clears throat> that we do have for example as english speakers or as russian speakers is that we can actively choose to recognize god like it's not something that we that's built in it's not something that we're forced to do it's something that we can choose to do yeah for example it's interesting because oh Oh, go go ahead ahead. sorry i was just gonna say that's really interesting because like yes we have a choice in what we're saying but are we choosing it to mean that so Mm. if i'm saying i'm choosing to say we thank thee um am i actually thankful to him like or see i just said it right there but (laughs) like am i thanking him inside or is it just my words or am right. i still feeling like well i'm the one that's grateful well like, what would you say sense? Yeah, what would you say to a potential detractor who would say well hey i'm praying i've addressed it to god i've addressed my prayer to god and uh i'm saying i'm so thankful for all that you have done or i'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here like at church today and so it's like it's it's a conversation with god and i've directed it to him and so it's like in my mind i know it's going to him and he knows that it's going to him mm-hmm. so what would you say to that person who brings up that that no great great protest. um great point and actually let's let's go to the lord's prayer because this would be a good mm-hmm. a good example of that um because we and we all know it at least to a point you know um Let's see, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Right? Um, <clears throat> there, there is a little bit of a different relationship there between Christ and his Father. Because um, though he is, you know, though God is also our Father, you know, there, there's a difference between us in Christ at, at, at a point. Um, 
the only thing that I would say is like, there is benefit in also recognizing it ourselves and knowing that he, you know, is there and listening and then actively, you know, seeking and searching, you know, knocking it, you know, asking you shall receive, knocking it shall be open to you to seek and you shall find. If I can seek more, I would like to find more. Um, and this is one way, and just, you know, personally, this is one change that I've made in, in prayer that has helped out quite a bit just to take the focus from what I have and put the focus onto either what God has given me or what he has chosen to withhold. Um, because I, I, I have a hard time being grateful for, you know, maybe a paycheck being delayed or, you know, being yeah. hailed on, <laughs> but I can recognize those things as acts of God. And if I bring him into the conversation, I can recognize, you know, even before the good comes of it, I can recognize that those things are acts of God and that he can, and will, you know, make things work for his good and his name's glory rather than simply, you know, my humility or gratitude. Right. And, and I think what might be even more important here than, than the word usage, because some people might look at this and say, oh, this is just semantics. Um, and I, I think what's really important is that you're making a conscious decision to do something to be more intentional uh, in your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so even if, even if that this, even if this was completely semantics and, it, and the Lord actually didn't care one way or the other, the fact that you are trying to strengthen your relationship with the father and be more intentional about it and choose to be thankful to him and try and put more of that on more of your interactions with him in it in a relationship context, as opposed to just talking about me or talking about myself or being focused on my, my own state, um, that's going to benefit you. You know, it's kind of a lot like how we've been instructed in the past few years, especially by president Nelson to treat the Sabbath day where the, the Lord has said, Hey, we as a body of saints need to be better about keeping the Sabbath day holy. But even whilst he's been giving us a greater emphasis on keeping the Sabbath day holy, he's removed the emphasis on specific actions or the absence of actions. And he wants us to be, uh, not that he's like diminishing his standards, but he wants us to be actively making those choices on our own. Yeah. But how, but the interesting thing is how is he doing that? And Emily, I'd like to hear, like, how is, yeah. cause president Nelson, you know, cause you haven't talked a lot and I feel like, you know, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, like, I like to listen. You're fine. You're oh, fine. Totally fine. Um, but no, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. It's like, how is president Nelson as the Lord's prophet? You know, it's not, be- I, I think we could agree that it's not just because he's removing the performative aspect of it. Cause it's right. still right. there in a lot of it, but how is he changing the, our view, especially specifically of the Sabbath day or another good example is like Israel, for example, like his last talk when he talked about Israel and, you know, um, let God prevail. And let things God like prevail. That was, right. It was, it was amazing. Right. So how is he changing our focus where, like, where is he lifting us to look, I guess. I feel like this is how I'm seeing it anyways. I feel like he's giving us these like, inspirations or like focuses and then we're supposed to figure out with the agency that we've been given from god how we're going to be able to do that i just feel like everything he's been doing since he was called to be a prophet has been 
to help us to use our agency. And yeah. And specifically use our agency to gain revelation. Right. Yeah. And, and I think he's, he's kind of set it up in so many ways. And I would say the Lord set it up where he's, the Lord has kind of removed overt requests or overt mandatory uh, requirements for certain things. Like if you look at for the, for strength of youth pamphlets, another great example, he's the, the Lord has instructed the church to remove certain specific uh, standards there. And I don't think that has anything to do with the Lord lessening his standards. Right. I think it has more to do with the Lord wanting us to do exactly what you're talking about. Like use our agency to receive revelation um, and actively pursue more, right? He wants us to be doing more seeking and more mm-hmm. knocking. Uh, and he's going to give us more if we do that. But for those of us that want to just kind of sit back and do the minimum, we're going to slowly fall more like farther and farther behind. And kind of like from like a parent's perspective, like it's great when your kids do what you tell them to do. And when they're obedient, like, awesome, that's fantastic. But it's even better when they do more or when they do it without ever being asked. Yeah. Or when they apply the principles that you taught them yeah. in a situation that you haven't explicitly explained how to use those principles. Right. And so it's, it's the same. I think it's the same with Heavenly Father and us. Like, he wants us to be obedient and he wants us to keep the commandments and follow those standards. But he also wants us to be able to apply the principles mm-hmm. when we're not given specifics. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And, and that's awesome. Cause like the way he, that God does it is he says, you know, behold my beloved son. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And if we think about it with like the Sabbath day, um, the big terminology that like President Nelson started using was that it was the Lord's Day mm-hmm. and kind of shifted the focus there, which does, you know, say, okay, let's like, let's, let's do away with lists and things like that, but it is his day. And then let's put the focus on Christ and see where this goes. Cause I've, I've never had anything go wrong in my life or terribly. So <laughs> when I put my focus on Christ and I, mm-hmm. and I hope you'd agree. Um, same At thing least not like, because of that. Right. I mean, things will go wrong, but I, I right. like, I've, I've never regretted it. Well, that's probably a better way to say it. Yeah. That's probably the best because things sometimes <laughs> specifically because you're doing the right thing, you are called upon to sacrifice extra or to, yes. to bear certain burdens, but it's in the end, they're not actually burdens because they're consecrated for your good. Well, or, anyway, well, go or even, or even Christ did. And then they were and yeah. And even beyond that, uh, or like Israel, for example, you know, Israel used to be a people and now it's, the focus is now on God prevailing um, rather than mm. I get, I guess the idea is, is coming from, you know, instead of it being a performative aspect on our side, um, having it be something where God does prevail more in our lives. Um, and a good way to kind of look at that is through the principles of the gospel too. Um, we're really good at like faith in Jesus Christ. I think we have that one down pretty well, especially as members of the church. Um, and just, just generally, I think in Christendom, we have faith pretty well because we can believe something pretty, pretty heartily and we can act upon that because we also know that, you know, faith is, is acting on something, um, or faith impels us to action, I guess. Um, repentance, I feel like we fall a little short on including Christ in because we feel like that's our performative action. Like that's what we do so much that the atonement will work, um, and I don't think it's that way. And I'll, and I'll talk about it in a second, you know, baptism as well, we think is a 
kind of a performative action. I haven't talked to, I haven't, you know, gone into a lot of baptism yet. That's kind of like next on my docket. Um, the easiest one for me is to do actually endure to the end, because that's another one where we think it's like a super performative action. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got it, let's go to Doctrine and Covenants section, um, section 19 um, really quick. But, you know, when we think of endure to the end, uh, normally I think, you know, like I usually think of endure to the end, like I'm going to make it to the end of my work shift or maybe to the end of this podcast. Cause we're talking a long time or, you know, <laughs> or the end of the day or whatever it is, or maybe like enduring to the end of, you know, a race, you know, where there's a, there's a definite like termination to something. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make sense to me in the context of God, because God has no end. Right. Right. He has, no, I have he has never no thought about that before. Yeah, I mean, like so, the 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 very idea that we're eternal beings, right? We've existed eternally. Uh, the thought that we think of the end of this short probationary time on Earth as being the yeah. end of of the covenant path is a, it's it's a little interesting. It's kind of silly. Well, that so, doesn't yeah, really what work, do you, does it? <laughs> right. Right. So, what do you think that means then? Endure to the end. Okay, so that's where, um, actually, we're going to go into semantics a little bit more, but this is where mm-hmm. I think, again, that we're, we're, create, we're creating, we're creating, I would like to hopefully create as God does in a way. Um, if we go to the 1828 dictionary and look at the definitions of end, a lot of it will talk about, you know, the first couple definitions will say like, you know, an extreme point, the extreme or last part, the conclusion or sensation, the closer conclusion. But then this one I like talk about, is the- Oh, I'm just going to guess, is it something to do with like, a goal like an like an end po- like uh, like the means and an end or means to an end yeah kind of kind sense. of it's, it's this one's really cool it's the ultimate state or condition mm. so not even goal right so 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 now so now that we've kind of like talked about an end being an ultimate state or condition to what state or condition must we endure is the question becomes the question mm. right and so with that let's just read the very first section of dnc 19 right okay. it says Christ, you know, speaking, if you, if you guys want to read it, go for it. <clears throat> From verse one? Just, just verse one. That's the only verse we'll okay. read. Cool. Okay. I am Alpha and Omega, Christ the Lord, yea, even I am he, the beginning and the end, the redeemer of the world. Okay. So this is Christ introducing himself, right? Mm-hmm. And Christ gives a whole bunch of names. What are some of the names, the names that he gives us? Alpha and Omega is yeah. the big, be- and then the beginning and the end. Yeah. 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 So Christ, Lord, I am beginning and mm-hmm. end, right? So enduring to the end becomes not even a condition or state. Enduring to the end doesn't become what can I do to stick it out? It becomes what can I do in this moment in order to become Christ-like? Endure to the end or endure to Christ. Christ. Right? Uh, oh. I like that so, so oh, much. There's, so this, this is a, a really interesting thing that I was actually studying this past week. So I was thinking about the, the name Alpha and Omega. Uh, and... I was thinking about the Hebrew equivalent of that, which is Aleph, which is the first letter, and Tav, which is the last letter of, of the Hebrew alphabet. And so, um, specifically, thinking of Tav, which is the last letter, it kind of means the end, but it also means stamp or seal. So, like, the stamp or the seal that you would put on uh, a scroll to say, like, this is finished. Like, this is this is me. Or like, the, like, this contains... Um, Oh, yeah. It's related also to the word of like truth. And like so his, fullness yes, well. his, his, like his stamp, his fullness, his truth. Um, like that's, that's the end of the 
Hebrew alphabet. And so like how Christ is that he is the, like, that is him. Oh, another, I haven't fully like fleshed this idea out, but I, I really like where we're going here. Well, but even to expand that just a little bit, um, you know, we talk about sealing and things like that. I mean, we are sealing ourselves, binding ourselves to Christ through, you know, through his gospel, through the atonement, right? That's, right. that is the point is, you know, come into Christ and be perfected in him. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's why, you know, at the beginning I said, like, finding Christ in his gospel. It's like, where can we find Christ in these things that we think we understand? Say prayer, you know, like, how can mm-hmm. we actively choose to invite, <laughs> you know, invite him in? Um, or to not even invite him in, because like when it says, you know, asking you shall receive, knock and it shall be opened unto you. I think we have kind of the image in our head of the famous painting where there's Christ knocking at a door and, you know, there is no, there is no handle on his side. But I mean, if you think about it too, like an all-powerful God could blow down the door if he wanted to. So who's knocking? <laughs> and I would like to knock more, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and or enduring, you know, enduring to the end. I would like to become more like Christ, you know, because when we see him, we shall be as he is, you know, um, mm-hmm. as it yeah. talks about in Moroni and in, in, in First John. Um, another kind of like principle that this kind of rolls into because again, you know, the principles of the gospel become um, more cohesive as, as you kind of try to find him. Let's, let's go back to repentance really quick. Um, and this one is just more, you know, word magicry or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but if we take the word repent, um, you know, we do have the Bible dictionary definition, which, which I like. Um, but if we just take it and we split it into its two parts, we've got re, which means again, and pent. And if you look at pent the word, I mean, that reminds you if you like pentagon or, you know, if you're really crazy pentagram, you know, things that it means five, right? And so mm-hmm. we're fiving again. That doesn't really work. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you research the word, actually, um, a variant in Old English of the word penned, and we see this a lot in poems and things like Shakespeare and a couple other things, you can replace the ed with t instead. And so repent becomes like repend and what things are kept in the pen um you know what calves in their stalls or perhaps Mm -hmm. sheep in their Mm -hmm. fold so repentance is the act of being enfolded by the good shepherd or it or being perhaps um you know gathered in as israel Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Uh letting god prevail such that you be gathered is allowing you to be gathered because repentance also becomes a um you know, we're just to preach the gospel of repentance. Repentance is just in its simplest forms is a return to God, and ultimately there will mm-hmm. be a repentance of you know, like us when we die, we'll be returned into His presence eventually. Um, but then there is also the active, you know, if we are that lost sheep, the active, you know, being enfolded is like allowing us to be allowing ourselves to be found, and you know, reaching. There's the you know, where can I turn for peace? You know, He reaches my reaching kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but well, it's again, so interesting that there. like. <clears throat> Like so much of our relationship with Christ, I feel like it's it's just this uh, almost like a pendulum of going back and forth between realizing how much am I supposed to do and how much am I relying on the Savior and and uh, I feel this in my life where I've, I'll get into phases where I find like I'm relying on my part of repentance too much um, and then. I, I think I have to act as if it's all relying on me and pray. That, that's the common saying, right? You pray as if it relies completely upon the savior and, and you act as if it's completely relying upon you. And um, when I get back into that 
pendulum swing where I'm more centered in Christ. And I realize like, Oh, it's like all him, right? Like it's, it's all because of him. And I feel that like grace, like that I accept that grace more and I don't try and crowd it out with my own efforts. Um, and I guess that's really what the, for, for me, that's the, the struggle of, of never ceasing my own efforts. Um, while not say no, don't cease my own efforts while not allowing my efforts to crowd out Christ's grace. So where would be the tipping point then? The tipping point, like like crossing the, it, the Rubicon. Well, now I'm like without now, like sure. Christ's like grace if, 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 if Christ's grace is on this side and our effort is on this side, like where, where, where does the, what's, what's the, what weights the scale? I don't there? know. I don't know. Cause one thing that's interesting that you said, and, and I've, I do this too, you know, is that like when repenting, like, I feel like I need to do so much so that I'm, you know, so that I'm repenting. Let's go back to the prayer thing that we talked about at the very beginning. You know, how Mm -hmm. much do we have to give gratitude such that we feel grateful Mm -hmm. rather than recognize again, the blessings that he is giving us and and recognizing the giver? Um, How much must we exercise faith such that we feel faithful, (laughs) which is where I'm talking about like this, the self-centered you know, we get back around to the very beginning of like kind of the self-centered thought is like trying to get away from the performative aspect of it, not because those are unimportant, but because it will make me feel like I'm drawing closer rather than being drawn, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. because I, I, I've done this before too, you know, or have you ever had the thing where it's like, you know, especially in prayer, you know, you ask God and it's like, Oh, please give me this. And you already know the answer. Like, you know, but I really want this. And I really want you to say this. I'm not going to ask you for this, but I really want you to. And I know you're not going to, and I mean, like, like we play this game with ourselves all I do anyway, yeah. <laughs> or at least I don't, I know retroactively that I do. Mm-hmm. And so it's more just trying to look at these things in a way it's like, you know, again, and you, you brought up a little bit of the grace versus works, which we're not going to get into. It's a completely mm-hmm. different topic. Yeah. Right. Um, but allowing the grace with to you know to work, it's not necessarily grace versus works. It's allowing the grace to work. It's allowing our work to, you know, like one of yours is you know become graceful. <laughs> you know, our works become right. full of grace, and and the grace to become to to become effective. <clears throat> yeah. Oh man, I'm thinking. Do you have any thoughts about this one? No, I just really like. Um, I feel like there's probably a word for this, but. Um, just the picking apart of all these words that we use so often, but I've never thought of, and I've never really understood where they come from or the definitions. It's very fascinating. Yeah. To me. There, there is some fancy words like the like yeah. microanalyzing word. But I'm really, yeah, I really words. enjoy this. It's nice. Yeah. I, I think makes me feel like I have a lot to work on. Yeah. Which is so good. I'm, I'm just like yeah. throwing this idea out there asking like where the Rubicon is, right? Where's, mm-hmm. where's the tipping point? Um, and <clears throat> I'm wondering if it has to do with what you said earlier. You said uh, allowing ourselves to be like pulled towards God versus like trying to bring ourselves towards God. Um, and I'm wondering if it, if it has something to do with that or like uh, and when I'm making a lot of effort and like trying to intentionally like come closer to God as opposed to like, letting him pull me towards him and I'm walking as he's pulling me in the direction where, and at the speed he's pulling me at. Cause both are performative, right? 
Right. But like, I, I feel the difference, right? I, I feel, um, again, I think the best, the best way that I've said it and I've been able to, to kind of pro or not process it, but kind of formulate it in my mind is this idea of my works crowding out, like my works crowding out the grace of Christ or like crowding out like his spirit by my efforts. Um, but they're both performative, like you were talking about, but there, there is a, a subtle difference that creates a huge difference spiritually. And so trying to bring this back down on, you know, <laughs> underground level. Uh, I think this for me looks like, uh, doing the right things, but not feeling that like spiritual fire, like not feeling that, that soft whisper of the spirit, like what you're doing is right. Right. Like that comfort and that extra strength. Um, and that's not always there when I'm doing the right things. Right. I mean, sometimes the Lord lets us like walk a little bit and struggle a little bit, but like that kind of just soft reminder that you're doing the right thing. Right? Like you're, you're on the right path. And that sometimes isn't there if I'm not that I'm trying too hard, but I am not allowing the savior to kind of pull me towards him. And I'm trying to come towards him in my way at my speed when I want to. Yeah. I kind of am thinking about how like naturally it is or how natural it is for me to have like a checklist mindset. Um, like in the performative sense, I guess that like, okay, I'm doing all the church things. Like I'm doing all the, doing all the things, checking all the boxes, but like not engaging spiritually yeah. and like mentally with Christ. Yeah. And that's kind of like, I guess how you were talking when you were talking, <laughs> that's how I was feeling about myself. I was like, I'm really good at like checking the boxes, but that feeling isn't always there. And that's the feeling is like more is it more important, would you say, than like, I mean, I don't know, because you have to do well, the things. It, it, well, because if, if, if it's the feeling that we're also, you know, focusing on, then that, that to me becomes a problem, especially, say, with our repentance or things, because we're trying to manufacture that. Yeah. Um, we, we have to remember that, you know, as followers of Christ, if we're going to come follow him, I mean, that is, you know, a couple other, you know, apostles like Elder Holland and Elder Maxwell or two that I know that have said this is if we are truly to follow Christ, we must first take a couple, we must also take a couple of steps into Gethsemane. Um, it shouldn't surprise us when, you know, if God left his own son alone, that we must also feel alone <laughs> at right. times. Yeah, um, we're going to have to have that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but beyond that, I mean, if you look at it as a Christ-centered gospel, you know, and, and accepting that. And, you know, also it's, it's in an effort to accept his atonement even more. And even the aloneness is part of the atonement. Um, not even just part of life, but part of his, even his grace in a way. Mm -hmm. um, it, because the more we become like him, the more we will experience life as he does, which I think is fuller than we do. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, just, um, you know, again, in that way, the feeling is more of an added bonus rather than the focus, because if the focus is on Christ, kind of like what we were talking about with Sabbath yeah. day, th things come into focus when, when Christ is that. <laughs> um, and, and when we, you know, take that lens or, or for example, even with Israel, you know, letting God prevail and, and, and understanding 
or even, you know, with endure to the end, understanding the end, that, that completeness, that, that purpose to which we are enduring, um, you know, understanding that whether I feel it or not, because it's both empowering and, um, kind of daunting at the same time. Yeah. And and I think that the better way to, to look at the feeling is it's not that it's something that's just a nice thing. It's the touchstone along the way. Right. And so you have your various touchstones of the things that you touch to kind of like stabilize yourself to make sure you're, you're on the right path. And so like the, the spirit, those feelings will be there to continue or to help you continue on the right path. And the Lord might increase the, the, the distance between the touchstones right? Because you might want to like, let you kind of struggle a little bit longer for whatever reason. So you can learn, but those, those feelings are still there as a, as a guiding rod to help you know, like I am on the right spot. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not good enough to simply look for the feelings as like the identifier when you are appropriately worshiping, because it's, it's not the only factor. It's not the only indicator or may not be the most reliable indicator. It, It needs to be more based off of a relationship with Christ, because you think about your other relationships, like your relationships with your, your, your wife or with your parents or your siblings or your children or your soon to be children and your feelings in those relationships are the emotion you're feeling in a moment is not always going to be the same in, in regards to like a single relationship. Uh, And so the important thing is the, the surety of that relationship and moving towards the goals of that relationship, regardless of the, of the feelings or even like if the, the lack of feeling yeah. it's kind of a subtle thing though. Right. I mean, so it's, I mean, the, I guess as you, if you're going to have to get into semantics to this depth, it has, it's probably describing something that's really subtle. The, the thing is like, we will also know when we, when we do, um, it's kind of like the, again, another Christ centered example, um, is in the section just before in, in section 18. I think this is actually a good thing because, you know, we all know the scripture mastery one, or at least, you know, if you're as old as I am, then you do, um, 1810, right. Remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. And that one, you know, brings warm fuzzy, you know, and that's, that is a truth because the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. And then usually the scripture mastery would skip down to verse 15 and talking about if we would, you know, labor all our days and crying repentance and bring one soul, how great will be our joy. And then the next one is, you know, if you do it and you bring more like, you know, in verse 16, how great, how much you know greater will be your joy. Um, the question becomes what makes a soul worth or what, what is the worth of a soul or what makes it great? And the answer is actually in the intervening verses in section, in section 18, verses 11, 12, and 13. It says, For behold, the Lord your Redeemer suffered death in the flesh, wherefore he suffered the pain of all men, that all men might repent and come unto him. And he hath risen again from the dead, that he might bring all men unto him on conditions of repentance, and how great is his joy in the soul that repenteth. Wherefore, you are called to cry repentance unto this people." So the worth of the soul is nothing more nor less than the eternal life of the son of God, which is why we are worthy (laughs) of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But the focus has changed, you know, because where before we might be thinking, okay, the worth of souls is great. And now I have to work and work and work and work and work and bring, you know, so that I have joy, (laughs) you know, a lot of times it becomes in my experience. And when I'm, especially when I'm looking at, you know, the different principles, faith, repentance, whatever it's because I usually start at the beginning and then I jump all the way to the end. I forget the middle and the middle talks about 
Christ near exclusively. And if you notice, the joy is his joy in verse you know, 13 there. And it's, it's the wherefore, it says, you know, it's his joy that is great. And it's because of that that you're called. And then you'll share in that because then you will be yeah. like Christ. You know, yeah. when the focus is on Christ, it, it becomes, everything is more clarified. And, and I wonder how much of this, that this whole issue that we're talking about right now, uh, or like the issue that's facing us as, as Latter-day Saints, or as really probably modern-day Christians, especially American Christians, is uh, a holdover from the Puritan ethic. This idea that we have to like, there's such an emphasis on work and on, and on, forcible like forced purity uh which is admirable and has blessed american christianity immensely and american government and whatnot immensely but i i think you're right there there is this need to kind of get back into this uh, a greater focus on the savior kind of like you know let's call the church by his name <laughs> right. sort of thing yeah. or yeah. or you know again just you know my i guess my like catchphrase right now when i you know raise my hand in sacrament meeting not in sacrament meeting in like class or whatever is just you know let's find christ in his gospel again you know cuz if we can do that and and we're the ones doing the seeking we'll find which is a pretty awesome blessing i mean that's mm-hmm. a great promise you know yeah I really like that. I think that's a really great way to end the discussion for now, at least. That's that's Emily telling us that we've probably rattled <laughs> on for too long. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the time. No, nope, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Okay. So just um, just real quick. Yes. In ending, I feel like um, we might be a little bit of kindred spirits, and that we like to dive into semantics and esoteric ideas and whatnot. <laughs> so let's try and bring this down. Give our listeners a few kind of for lack of a better words, like bumper sticker things to take away from this, like a few action items, ways that they can uh, worship Christ in a less self-centered way. Great. Um, let's go back to just the endure to the end. You know, remember that Christ is the end and Christ is the point and purpose. Um, mm-hmm. So endure to Christ. Endure to Christ. Exactly. That would be exactly it. Yeah. Because, and the reason that that is awesome is because it is empowering now. Like I am not like Christ now, but I can endure to Christ. Because yeah. Christ endured for me. And it's not as tiring, right? Like saying endure to the end sounds awful. But like you're saying, <laughs> like endure to Christ sounds nice, right? Like it's like endure for me. Ices are my big things. Like endure to an icy, right? Like that's like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to a nice thing, right? And the best, most, most nice thing is the Savior. So endure to the Savior, enduring to get to Him. It's not some end that is going to be like the death of you to get there. Like it's... Mm-hmm. It's something wonderful. And it's infinitely applicable because no matter what our situation, we can do something more to step towards Christ. I don't have, like, I can be the prophet. I can be me, you know, little homie out and wherever, or I can be struggling with whatever it is. And if I just take a step, I have endured. And if I take another step, I have endured. And right. you can go from where you're standing and you can be led as we were talking yeah. about by Christ. Yeah. And so when you, when you, act on faith and you, and you endure a temptation and you say, I'm not going to give into this temptation and you endure that temptation. You are enduring to Christ. And it might even be better. Again, this might be semantics, but it might even be better to say toward like endure toward Christ. Because I think 
that's that's a lot what we're saying. Like, in every moment, we can endure towards Christ. Yeah, come unto Christ and be perfected in Him. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Any other bullet points, like action items? Oh, for me, my takeaway. You're just looking at me, so I didn't know. Oh, I don't know. I was just looking. (laughs) (laughs) I would say one for me is like think about I'm grateful versus I thank thee for. That's like like a really like good action item that I can like, okay, I can improve on this or I can change the way, not just that I'm saying it, but the way that I'm feeling it. I think for me the the thing I'm gonna take away from this isn't even any specific uh piece of advice that um that Ari gave us even though they were all great advice those all great pieces of advice but it was the idea that this is something that i need to be aware of mm-hmm. and and approach the savior and, and ask for revelation and be mindful of my own discipleship to or discipleship of christ with christ how would you even say that i, I like I'm, with Say so my discipleship with Christ. His his, right? his disciples walked with him, so I think you can too. Discipleship with Christ, right? Yeah, I like that. So in my own discipleship with Christ, um, I I need to be more mindful of that because just like uh, we're talking about the Sabbath day earlier, I think it's less important that we apply every single lesson that we're talking about towards the specific action that we've been talking about, and more important that we apply this principle. And we try and intentionally increase and improve our relationship with Christ because it might be that the Lord needs you to take these principles and change something about your discipleship with Christ that has not been mentioned today, right? That is something that we haven't even thought about or will never think about because it's something in your relationship with Christ, in your discipleship with Christ that needs to change. And so I'm going to be, I think I'm going to start trying to be more mindful of that in my own in my own discipleship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ari, for um, being a guest on the podcast and for any of our listeners that are interested in being a guest, let us know. We'd love to hear from you and to hear what ideas you have. So yeah. Although Ari set a very high bar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't be intimidated. <laughs> Don't be intimidated. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to talk to you guys. So this yeah. has been super awesome. Thank you. Well, uh, we wish you the best and we pr- will pray for you to have a wonderful birthing experience with your wife. Yay. And oh, to thanks. welcome a, a wonderfully lucky little girl to your, to your family. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Likewise. <clears throat> yeah. All right, guys. Keep the faith. We love you. Bye.